it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, that was Bobby Moynihan making that comment because I sent him a book because he, he played a fat version of me on SNL. Uh, so someone thought it would be a good idea to send him a book. Uh, and uh, it turns out he was on Howard Stern's show, and he's not a fan. Who would have thought somebody on the cast of SNL was not a fan of somebody on Fox News, especially the way he played me? Uh, listen, a uh, matter of moments, Bobby Brack's going to be joining us in 10 minutes, uh, bringing us inside what's happening in media. Mark Esper, the former Secretary of Defense under George, uh, under George, under Donald Trump, is going to be with us, too. He believes the, it's, this is the beginning of the end of our effective volunteer force. And then we've got to get his latest on the, on the suddenly— uh, uh, I'll tell you, Russia looks like it's falling apart, and we'll discuss that in detail with him. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three. I believe it's going to come down certainly next year, although let's be clear, there are risks. We're seeing Putin weaponize oil and gas in fighting this war. Uh, that is Janet Yellen, the inspirational speaker. She always lifts me up. Exposed in a time we need to rally to stop a recession and inflation, John Kerry reveals what we kind of knew. The Inflation Reduction Act was nothing but a climate change bonanza while Americans suffer and Biden pursues a radical green agenda. Unacceptable. Number two, we're trying to fix a problem that was decimated, an immigration system, by the last administration. They're not coming up with solutions. They're using children as a political stunt. Are you nuts? Oh, sorry, that is true. This, that's the press secretary on The View yesterday. Is, this, is she insane? Who broke the border, Biden or Trump? Can any of you struggle? Do you struggle with the answer to that question? We all know the answer. And it seems the Dems are at the very least pretending Donald Trump smashed it. What he did was seal it. Number one. You know, it's still the economy, stupid. (laughs) That's all that's going to matter. Record inflation, you know, another uh, interest rate hike by the Fed. None of it matters but the economy. That's uh, David Mortowski talking about what's happening with the number one issue leading with six weeks to go into 2022 midterms. The game plan for the GOP rolled out in a matter of hours, six weeks from Election Day, as Dems stick to their plan to run against Trump and abortion. What is the winning message? And we'll discuss it. It seems as though if you did that word search, Axios did, and they said, how many times does uh, abortion come up uh, in when you talk in politics? It was second in July. Yeah, in July. In August, it dropped to seventh, and it was not even in the top 20 terms when it comes to September. So that's where we stand right now. I'm not saying that there aren't a massive amount of women registering to vote. But I'm telling you right now, nothing compares to inflation and the economy, not grandiose economy and GDP, the personal GDP. How much does everything cost? How much are you paying? Are you backing out of the house you're about to buy? Or are you saying to yourself, what happened to the value of the house? I'm in. 
And that is why the economy will sell. And Joe Biden, who's got the Senate in the House and has reconciliation to get the rescue package through and reconciliation to get what he called the Inflation Reduction Act through, which is not that at all, as John Kerry said. So today we see the Republicans will do their commitment to America as opposed to Newt Gingrich's contract with America. Among the axioms that will be handed out, advance a parent's bill of rights. They knew that worked in Virginia. Fund border security. We kind of paid for it. They're starting to put it back together reportedly. They got to do it quickly. Crack down on leftist prosecutors. I think the American public will demand it and curb wasteful government spending. That would be interesting. Has anyone seen anything done in your neighborhood with the trillions that we put aside for the bipartisan infrastructure bill? So. What is going on for both sides, and what do they think of this package? Byron York weighed in on special report about this deal. Cut three. Absolutely. It's really actually quite important uh, in the election because you, you can say as a candidate, things are terrible. Things are terrible. Democrats are to blame. But voters do want to know what you're going to do about it. Uh, and this whole thing, Kevin McCarthy has worked very hard to get every single Republican in the House on board with this. We'll talk about the economy, crime and the border, as Hugh mentioned. So, of course, an abortion is going to be big. They're going to say that. They're going to, they're going to say we don't like Donald Trump and all the investigations. But I know the attorney general rolled out this massive 226-page indictment of the president civilly, even though they tried to get him criminally for three years and they couldn't, even though they had all these whistleblowers because the president just ran a company, a big-time real estate company. And he got legitimate uh, loans from Deutsche Bank for the most part. And he's got almost no debt. Most people, almost everybody agrees with that. But they thought, we're going to sue through Letitia James and have more people talk about Trump. No one's talking about Trump. I'm telling you, even Donald Trump says, I'm, uh, I'm going to declare after the midterms. He, he's going to do a rally, and I think he's, he's going to be in Arizona shortly. I know he was in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania just now. He's in Ohio over the weekend. So he's going to be backing up his candidates. So we'll see what happens. So on abortion, for the most part, the Dobbs decision made it illegal in some states. They did, the states now have the decision on what, uh, what the abortion rules will be. And they'll do it through their legislators, not through the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court didn't end abortion. It said, let the states decide, like it was 1973. Stacey Abrams, who's run a terrible campaign, was told everybody she was robbed. We know she's a great speaker and really smart. We know she did a great job registering a lot of people in Georgia to maybe flip that state. But she has underperformed wildly. I watched her speak when I did my Herschel Walker special. When I spent a day with him, she was the preceding speaker. And she's got no message for law enforcement, no message for the military, no message for anyone except for people that want to say you're oppressed and and a minority. And when asked about abortion, listen to what she said. Cut eight. There is no such thing as a heartbeat. It is a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body. I, I cannot believe it. They had this debate in the palm of their hand, sadly. And them saying that has basically made every woman uh, and every body that had headsets on or they put it through the room that heard a heartbeat say, okay, that was manufactured as if it was a Hollywood studio. And now people are scrubbing their websites, trying to back Stacey Abrams, these pro-choice groups, these pro-abortion groups, and they're trying to explain it away. But now we're focusing on when life starts. 
Instead of just saying that women have no control of their lives and men are still trying to take back and white people are terrible. That's the argument she preferred to have. She just kicked it back to science. And that's the last thing people who are pro-choice want to talk about. Here's Ben Dominich last night, cut nine. Right in front of our eyes, something amazing happening, which is that the left is being more honest than ever about the radical nature of their views on abortion policy. And the media complex is rushing to defend them, to spin on their behalf. Uh, and, you know, frankly, big tech is going along with this. You had, you know, Twitter slapping a, a fact check confirmation uh, from NBC onto Stacey Abrams' statement. And for any of us who uh, is a parent has gone into a hospital room, and we all know that we've heard, you know, that expression from, from the nurse saying, would you like to hear uh, your fetus's cardiac event? Uh, that, this is not something that anyone has ever heard, and it's because we all know this is a baby and this is a heartbeat, but the left has to deny that in order to further their inhumane policies. I'm going to take a time out now, give Bob Brack some, uh, some time in a segment, but obviously I know you have a lot to say on that. Uh, we'll do a segment, and then at uh, 34, welcome in Secretary of Defense, expand it to talk about what's happening overseas because some fascinating developments, I can hope, and then we'll take your calls, one 408 7669. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show on this Friday. So glad you're here. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Roe. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. How we teach our kids history has become a big controversy these days, with liberals accusing conservatives of wanting to whitewash the past, and sometimes that's true. Sometimes they do. But plenty of liberals also want to abuse history to control the present. And last month, a scholar named James Sweet caught hell for calling them out for doing just that. He criticized a phenomenon known as presentism, which means judging everyone in the past by the standards of the present. It's the belief that people who lived 100 or 500 or 1,000 years ago really should have known better. (laughs) Which is so stupid. It's like getting mad at yourself for not knowing what you know now when you were 10. And that is just a little of the wisdom that that Bill Maher has been spouting out that I find it unbelievably refreshing and interesting. And he's getting a lot of derision from the left joining us now, Bobby Barack writer for outkick who likes to take a perspective on the media often, Bobby, your thoughts on the, the transformation of Bill Maher or is he? Yeah. First of all, Brian, thanks for having me on. Um, Bill Maher's transformation is such an interesting development and it really goes back to around I would say February of 2021, once Trump left office, Bill Maher had to pretty much redo his entire script because 
he couldn't focus as much on Trump, and it really opened his eyes to what's going on socially and often institutions that the left controls. I believe um, Trump's presidency really blinded him to some of the insanity that's going on culturally and socially and among all these institutions. What he just said there is so true about these um, cultural warriors trying to demand that we judge past past years, past figures in modern day's lens, which you just can't do because the standard has changed so much, so radically, and now it's so soft and unreasonable that if you use that judgment, almost everybody in the past is going to be canceled. Yeah, there's nobody not. I mean, for example, 2008, uh, cancel Barack Obama. He said marriage is between a man and a woman. If you say that now, they say you're a homophobe or you're a horrible person. Well, things change. Society changes. People have no respect for past generations. And Bobby Barack with us now to talk about that. Uh, Also, you talk about the fact that people keep pushing that we're an endemic racial racist society. America's racist. And they keep trying to look for these stories. I mean, CNN runs with one. If you do, if you're a white cop and you have a controversial arrest with a black uh, suspect, that leads CNN for hours, uh, especially if the cop happened to be wrong. That shows you how racist America is. And that's what Cori Bush says, why you got to reimagine the police. And now they've, you point out too, this with this whole thing that happened with BYU. Yeah, I mean, I believe this is really the most damning development we have among us, among citizens, among society. I published a column earlier this week with this thesis that the demand for racism outstrips the supply. And what's going on here now is that we have one side of the cultural war and one side of the political aisle so desperately trying to reestablish the hypothesis that white supremacy plagues American society, that white supremacy looms over every institution, every person in America. And Brian, there's no proof of that. What's going on right now is, of course, we still have racism on the individual level by virtue of bad actors. And by the way, they are of all skin colors, black, white, Asian, Hispanic. But what we don't have right now is institutional macro racism, and that is what the media, politicians, social media, athletes, and entertainers keep trying to convince us. Just like the BYU situation, a 19-year-old volleyball player said somebody chanted the N-word at her. Well, there was no proof of that. It never made much sense in a crowd of almost 6,000. Never happened. Right. And an extensive investigation found out it never happened. And this turned out to be Jesse Smollett and volleyball types, another racial hoax that the media ran with for their own status, political, and financial gain. And I concluded this piece with how much the left has advanced themselves with racial hysteria. Racial hysteria is their greatest messaging. Without racial hysteria, they couldn't demand that President Biden pick a a vice president of a certain gender skin combination. They could not have destroyed cities in the name of George Floyd without racial hysteria. Racial hysteria is their greatest weapon in the cultural war. So, Bobby, you also uh, write about what's going on uh, in other networks. Chris Matthews, despite leaving with scandal, it went back to MSNBC. They went crazy. And on CNN, who's made a living criticizing us, as well as most, first and foremost, Donald Trump, are shuffling their lineup 
and Jake Tapper, who seems to have changed his message. I don't watch enough, but I did pick up some of his cuts. He's going after uh, he's going after people that are going after Trump. He's not necessarily he's trying to attract Republicans. He's trying to do what they say Chris Licht wants to do at, at at CNN now that he took over and be less partisan. Is that why he's getting the nine o'clock show for at least a month? Yes. Yeah, so what's going on here is um, CNN demoted Don Lemon a week ago. He's off primetime. He lost his two hour primetime show. He's in the mornings now. So they have two vacant primetime spots. They have the 9 o'clock hour, which Chris Cuomo used to host, and Lemon's two hours from 10 to midnight. They're going to try Jake Tapper from 9 to 10, which is their flagship hour. And you're absolutely right. Look, I don't agree with the notion that Tapper is as straight down the middle as he would claim or other people. But he is the best CNN has. He does ask both Democrats and Republicans tough questions. And Chris Lick, new CNN CEO, he staked his reputation on trying to pivot CNN back to the middle um, to a place of credibility and respect. And in his mind, Jake Tapper is the best option among the people on CNN's bench. Will it work or not? I, I'm skeptical. But of all the options, I mean, I'd much rather listen to Tapper than Don Lemon or Brianna Kyler or Anderson Cooper. Uh, yeah, it should be interesting to see what they do over there. Uh, it's just that without Donald Trump, they're still reaching for Donald Trump. They're still selling books about Donald Trump. Uh, they still want Donald Trump in the news. And the more Donald Trump's in the news, the better Democrats will do with the midterms. And that's the only way they get ratings. As soon as Trump went away, everybody cratered except us. Absolutely, no doubt. And, and they try to recreate that boogeyman several times. And it just doesn't work. It has to be Donald Trump. I mean, you've seen CNN, the New York Times, Washington Post, every once in a while focus really hard on Ron DeSantis, Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, Clarence Thomas after Roe v. Wade was overturned. But they always go back to Trump, and that shows you that they are reliant on Trump to be that ratings goose. The Washington Post, most notably, they're going to, Brian, not make a profit this year because they haven't been able to cover Trump as thoroughly with him not being in the White House. So as much as they hate Donald Trump, trust me when I say nobody's business is more reliant on Donald Trump running and winning in 2024 than these corporate media brands. And, oh, Bobby, last question was, well, and we started, you mentioned that uh, we mentioned Bill Maher. He came out and said that Democrats would get a lot more votes if they weren't making people think they're they're gone insane with this woke attitude. The Air Force Academy, the latest, they are now dropping mom and dad, boyfriend, girlfriend. They're saying to all their cadets, say partner. Uh, say you all, say folks, don't d- disseminate between gender, don't say, hey, guys, come over here. Your thoughts? Absurd. Bill Maher always says, he, he warns the left, if your new policy or ID, cha- ID um, change uh, sounds like in a headline from The Onion, don't do it, stop. <laughs> what you just said there sounds like a headline Should from be in The, the Onion. Onion. I mean, it you just got it, makes no sense. Absolutely. Mark Esper, former Secretary of Defense, next. Bobby Brack, thanks so much from OutKick. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. If the Biden administration wants to know 
why recruiting numbers have collapsed, why we have a recruiting crisis, they just need to look at their own policies. Afghanistan, the vaccine mandates, the indoctrination sessions, radical gender ideology, the witch hunt for supposed white nationalists. The Biden Pentagon looking for the causes of the recruiting crisis is kind of like O.J. Simpson looking for the real killer. Senator Tom Cotton, military guy, infantry, Ivy League grad, weighing in on something that's got everybody concerned, and that is the size of our volunteer force and the quality of the candidates uh, and the overall shape of the country. Mark Esper always thought about that, wrote about it on FoxNews.com, former Secretary of Defense under Donald Trump, author of A Sacred o- uh, Oath. Welcome back, Mr. Secretary. Thanks, Brian. It's great to be with you. Hey, uh, so you think the volunteer model is, is close to broken? It, it is breaking under the weight of uh, long-term social and gem- demographic trends that are basically saying that we have a smaller and smaller pool of young Americans who are both qualified and interested in serving. And I'm afraid where it will end up in 5, 10, 15 years. So what what happened? I mean, we had this influx of quality people, this fighting, uh, this fantastic fighting force that adapts to all the types of battlefield demands. And now all of a sudden we can't fill our ranks. We're all missing our goals. What happened? Yeah, first of all, it's the best military in the world, and I would say in history. So we should be very proud of that. But when the all-volunteer forces stood up in 1973 under President Nixon, you know, at that point in time, most Americans uh, had or knew somebody in the military that could talk about military service. Uh, by the 1990s, uh, less than 50 percent of Americans had a parent or served. And today it's a much, much smaller number. And on top of that, at the end of the Cold War, you know, we, we cut the military down by about 40, 45 percent, closed bases around the country. And so here we are 50 years later with fewer and fewer Americans having any knowledge or relationship with people who serve in the military. And so it, it doesn't come across as a viable path to them. But would you say that – did you suspect some of this 10 years ago? You, you could see the numbers 10 years ago uh, uh, falling slowly as well. And, of course, you know, we had a little bit of a surge after 9-11 for, for, for good reason. But, uh, you know, what you see now – and, of course, when I was Secretary of the Army in 2018, we wrestled with this and, and adopted a number of initiatives to keep our numbers up without lowering quality. And that is going to be the challenge. So this whole uh, – are you astounded by some of the things going on behind the scenes? I mean, did you see about this Air Force cadet story? They go ahead and told everyone to stop calling people mom or dad. Don't use the word boyfriend, girlfriend. Uh, I want you to say partner for now on. I want you to say folks and you all. Uh, we have to be more inclusive and diverse in our gender. Um, instead of you guys, use the term terms team. Uh, use you guys, team, squaddies, or you all. So you could say caregiver. I mean, why? I, I never thought there'd be a political correctness that would infiltrate into these old branches of uh, of the armed forces. It seems like somebody's political agenda is is where it doesn't belong. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, what we should be talking about, and what I'm not hearing enough of from the Pentagon, is talking about war fighting and readiness and modernizing our weapon systems. That's what we should be talking about, and we have to be talking to the American public about these things as well. How about the fact that we've I'm I love I'm I'm one of the people that think supporting for the Ukrainians should have happened before the war, let alone during the war. So I'm not upset by it. But I was stunned to find out that we're emptying our coffers and not replacing this stuff. Don't these defense contractors want money? The one thing the Pentagon does have not enough, but they do have money. Are we not replenishing our own stocks for our own self-defense? 
Well, I am concerned about that. I've, I've talked with some senior DOD officials uh, about stockpiling. Uh, you know, the bottom line is the defense industrial base is built for efficiency and not for these types of things. And so, you know, I spent eight, 10 years in the, in the defense industry, and they will respond to a demand signal. And certainly the demand signal is out there, but this administration has to begin contracting and, and, uh, and, and putting in requests for those materials. Because, look, it, these aren't weapon systems that you could build in days and months. It takes months and years. And we have to be prepared that we're – we have to make sure that we are prepared for our own conflicts, whether it's with China or somewhere else, and not just short conflicts but a long one. And they're not – if you talk to people, they're not putting the orders in to rebuild the well, things? Well, you, you can see what's being publicly reported, that in some cases they have to restart the line for stingers or expand the line for javelin and, and certainly – uh, they're looking at expanded contracts for 155-millimeter shells up in Pennsylvania. But these are things, again, we should be stockpiling. And the fact is stockpiling ammunition is not sexy, so it's not things that the Pentagon bureaucracy likes to do or that Congress likes to pay for. And the fact is our military needs more money. Now, it doesn't mean we shouldn't reform and, and, and get rid of things we, we, we don't need, but they need more money, and this administration has not been inclined to do so. It's been Congress, frankly, bipartisan Congress, that has been leading the administration and forcing it to spend more. So uh, let's pivot, if we can, to China. It was your biggest challenge, I would argue, as Secretary of Defense. You know what their goal was in the Pacific. Now we know they're all over Central America, too. They're trying to have a, a bigger hand in Brazil and when the president was asked about Taiwan, who's never felt as threatened as he do today, uh, this is what the president said for the fourth time. So unlike Ukraine, to be clear, sir, U.S. forces, U.S. men and women would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion. Yes. So this is the fourth time he said that and the fourth time he's been walked back by his own administration. Mr. Secretary, uh, we're talking to Secretary Esper, what do you think about what's the real policy? Well, look, I think uh, I think Joe Biden is spot on in this. I, I ask myself, what, what would Ronald Reagan do? And when I spoke at the Reagan Foundation the other night, I said the same thing. Reagan would stand up for a young democracy that's being bullied by a much bigger autocracy, and we should stand up to them. But I don't understand why, for the fourth time now, Brian, as you pointed out, that the White House keeps undermining him and saying there's been no change of policy. Uh, he has made a very clear statement. He is moving away from strategic ambiguity, something that I think he should do and, and other China experts think he should do. And frankly, I think we should go further and update our one China policy. I think he needs to get the word out internally that people should stop undermining him because it makes him look weak. And it, and it further confuses our policy with regard to China. At a t point in time when they need clarity, they, the, the Chinese Communist Party needs clarity about what we will do and how we will behave. So what would happen if that happened with Trump? Or what did happen when he was contradicted by his own staff? <laughs> well, he was, you know, he was clear. And certainly I, uh, Secretary Pompeo and others were very clear about the U.S. position. I think if there was a singular accomplishment from the Trump administration from that era is that we formed a consensus within the United States government that China is our strategic threat, our long-term strategic competitor. And all of the departments moved in the direction to begin preparing for that. And so uh, I think on the policy front, uh, this White House needs to continue that trend. Listen, Mr. I know you're being humble. You, do, you guys did some great things. If you look at isolating Iran, which turned into the Abraham Accords, if you got NATO to spend more, you could roll off a lot of – you have a strong argument if you ever had to get in a debate about what you did 
over the course of four years. But now we got this challenge with Russia, and we have to understand that yesterday, to show how desperate it was just a few days ago, he has decided to call up what he calls his reserves, 300,000. The problem is, Mr. Secretary, and you know better, it doesn't look like the reserves exist. They told every 18 to 34-year-old you're no longer allowed to buy a ticket on a plane to leave the country. 6,000 have left. Some are refusing to fight. The protests are happening in over 30 cities. What is the situation on the ground, and what do you think is really happening in Russia? Well, Putin made a very big mistake. It's resulted in multiple strategic failures. You know, obviously, addition of new NATO members, the consolidation of support in the West, behind Ukraine, uh, unification of NATO, any number of things. And on top of that, his military has been proven to be a second-rate, maybe a third-rate, feckless military force, at least a conventional military force. And the Ukrainians, with great skill and courage, are beating them back. And so he's now forced into this political position, as you outlined, to uh, support this referendum that will de- where these four provinces will declare themselves part of Russia – and uh, he will be forced to defend that now. And, you know, as you, again, as you pointed out, we see the news reports that Russians are jumping on every plane, train and automobile to get out of that country so that they so that they're not put into this meat grinder that uh, we call Ukraine right now, where the Ukrainians are just doing great damage on the Russian military. So so now they're going to try to annex certain areas they don't even have control over. But, you know, the right. battlefield, you're a West Point grad, as well as being former secretary of the Army and Defense. What is the reality of the fighting forces you know it, the people they're good, the, the fighting force they're taking on in Russia, as well as the equipment they have? Can they they say this? Zelensky says this ends in Crimea. Do you think that's that's an aspiration that can be fulfilled? Well, look, I you know I spent ten years active duty as well in the in the airborne, and uh, my my war was the Gulf War, and I will tell you, it's, it doesn't just take skill and competency to win. You have to have a fighting spirit, and the Ukrainians have that, and the Russians do not. And I'm glad, really glad to see uh, President Zelensky, and he's the one that should say this, that his end state is a return to the borders prior to 2014, that uh, all of Ukraine's sovereignty should be respected. And that means pushing the Russians completely out of Ukraine to include Crimea. Uh, I, I think that's exactly the right thing, and we should support him on that. Who has the advantage in the winter? Well, I, I think, uh, you, you know, usually the, the, the forces come to a standstill in the winter. I, I think, again, that the advantage goes to the side that has the will and spirit to fight. The Ukrainians want the Russians out of their territory. The Russians have committed war crimes. They've destroyed hospitals and, and schools and everything else. So I, I would give the advantage to the Ukrainians in this case, particularly since the call-up in Russia proves that there's not enough Russian soldiers to uh, fight the fight. And of course, we see that they're running out of material and ammunition and everything else. So in, in my view, Ukraine has the upper hand right now, provided that the West continues to support them. I know you're not getting the presidential daily brief, uh, but what, is it, what do you think from what we know? 1,400 Russians were arrested. Some of them, I, the rioters, were being conscripted. So you pull them off, the, they're rioting against the war, and then you make them serve in the army. What kind of soldier will they be? Well, just because they're, you give them not, a uniform? They're... Are you crazy? There's protests in 38 cities. Is there a sense, or, or am I delusional? Uh, by the way, 4,800 Russians arrived in Finland uh, last month, 3,100 this week. Huge line of cars into Mongolia and Kazakhstan. I don't think there was a vacation spots. But wh- how stable <laughs> is Vladimir Putin right now? How close I mean, is, yeah. is his leadership? 
we used to think that thousands of Russians entering to Finland would be an invasion force, but now it looks like it's uh, it's young young Russians fleeing their own country. It's a surprise turn of events. But look, I, I would suspect that uh, it's it's evident that Putin's support within his country is failing on multiple fronts. I suspect internally at the oligarch level, all the way down to you know the streets of Moscow, where he has the most support, and he's got to be very concerned about this. So. He's now fighting two fronts. He's got to fight in Ukraine against the Ukrainians, and he has to fight at home against his own people using his police forces. And at some point, you, you know, the people will rise up, particularly, you know, once they see their, their young, their sons and fathers and brothers, um, you know, being killed and injured on the front. We're not there yet. They're just being conscripted now. But at some point, this whole thing could collapse. And that's where we need to be very careful, but at the same time, ver- send very strong signals of firmness and support about how we, the United States and NATO, will react in any number of scenarios. Uh, evidently, there was some conversation behind closed doors about using nukes. And if they can't keep their tanks up to date, what makes you think they've been maintaining their nuclear and modernizing their nuclear weapons? No indication there are. You would know better. Uh, a quick thing. If you want to know why the Russians are so upset in the caste system that exists, you know Dmitry Peskov. You probably dealt with him before, right? The spokesperson for Vladimir Putin's government? Right. His son is 32 years old, and one of the radio stations called him up and said, how you doing, this is, and, and get a crank call. And they said, we just want to tell you you've been drafted. He goes, I think you've made a mistake. I'm going to have to handle this at a level above yours. I'm not going to get drafted. So there's a sense that those, there's a caste system when it comes to who's going to go into that meat grinder. And that's part of the reason why he wanted to avoid this moment of drafting people or activating 300,000. So I'm fascinated by this. I'm under the impression, uh, Mark Esper, that if the Russians took Ukraine easy, Georgia would have been down already, Moldova would have been absorbed, and these Baltic stations would have been infiltrated and basically uh, harassed into putting people in charge that were sympathetic to the Russian position. Was I, am I wrong on that? No, look, I, I think we need to keep an eye out for a few things. And I, you mentioned other countries. You know, of course, there are Russian forces in Georgia, Moldova, and, and even Armenia. And at some point, maybe those forces, maybe, maybe elements within those countries will rise up and push the Russians out. That'll be very, very interesting to see that happen. But back to Russia and the Russian people. Look, the, 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 the conventional wisdom is that 80 percent of the Russian people – uh, figure because their history that they shouldn't involve themselves in politics, not be concerned about that, that they, they'll continue to struggle through life, and, and that's just the way it is in, in Russia. But I think, again, we're reaching a point where uh, this war is starting to really hit home, uh, not just in their pocketbooks now, but in their homes with their sons and, and brothers and fathers. And once that happens, and particularly if they see that the elites are being treated differently, um, the Russian people might rise up, and, and we'll see if they, they deserve a better government than what they're getting. And, and maybe they will make a move on that. I mean, they could have been part of the West. They were part of the G7. It's their idiot uh, leader, uh, modern day. Uh, he, he aspires to be Stalin, and, that, and that's what he's well, trying to do if we didn't stop him. They should be part of the West. I write about this in my book that the, the Russian people do deserve better. Look, of course. Russia is a European country. They should be aligned with us, not with China. And uh, if this comes about, if we can get them in the, in the orbit, there's so much prosperity and freedom and everything else that those Russian people deserve that we could get if they could just get rid of this despot that is uh, leading them right now because he's led them into a, into a hole over the past 20 years. Pick up his book, A Sacred Oath. That story and more in there. Uh, Mr. Secretary, Mark Esper, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. You have a good day. You too. one 408 
Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. We made it to the happiest place on earth. It's 9 a.m. I got to schedule every minute of our day until 9 p.m. Pay attention and stay close. $45 for bedazzled mouse ears, baby? You want these or you want to go to college? We're not waiting an hour and a half for impressions of France, okay? Eat a baguette and lose a world war. That's my impression of France. Let's go to Space Mountain. So funny. Uh, That is John Christ. He's a comedian uh, that's going to be coming up at a, a different hour in the show. Uh, on the Friday edition, it depends on when you get it. So I don't like to lock you into a time because a lot of times our great affiliates take it different times. But John Christ is going to be on One Nation. He's going to be on Saturday night at 8 o'clock. That's my show I have on Fox News Channel, 8 and 11. And the guy just talks about real-life stuff. He's the third He's the third oldest in an uh, eight with eight kids in his family. His dad was a pastor. I just uh, He's got a great perspective on what's going on right now. And it's insanity, especially when it comes to the pandemic. So that's kind of interesting, too. So we, I'm watching right now the, the House GOP rollout of their commitment to America. It's their version of contract with America. And there's, there's about 100, maybe more. Maybe they're all there. I don't know. Uh, of the current Republicans in the House. And you have Kevin McCarthy, who's likely going to be the speaker if they do get the majority. And they're favored to get the majority in almost everyone's list unless something happens insane. But right now, the hope that I think Democrats had in August because of the Dobbs decision and because Donald Trump, the Mar-a-Lago raid that happened early September in August, they thought maybe and with a passage of the gun bill, bipartisan, but for them, the new green bill, the new Green Deal bill that is really mini bill back better that was signed off ridiculously by Joe Manchin. They thought they had the momentum to win. I don't see them having it. And this commitment to America is really naming some of the things that are happening in the headlines right now that are disturbing the average American from what's happening in the schools uh, to this whole woke culture to what's happening on our streets with crime and what's the breakdown of our border, which no one was talking about until DeSantis and Abbott took action. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, heard around the world. So glad you're here. Geraldo Rivera is just about ready. He's getting off one of his boats or some type of mission that we're not supposed to know about. And Steve Ducey at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we'll also take your calls. You know that. And you can always get the podcast if you ever miss us, BrianKillMeatShow.com. And don't forget to watch, watch One Nation. We're closing in on it Saturday night at 8 o'clock. We'll repeat it again at 11 just to make sure it's the same show, which you can DVR, but you have to watch the same night. So before we get to Geraldo, let, let's let Geraldo know what we're talking about. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I believe it's going to come down, certainly next year, although let's be clear, there are risks. We're seeing Putin weaponize oil and gas in fighting this war. I always feel like she's between whispering and losing her breath. Janet Yellen, exposed in a time in which we need to rally to stop a recession and inflation. You have not only the Secretary of Treasury in denial, you have John Kerry revealing what we all kind of knew. The Inflation Reduction Act was a boon for the climate change agenda. While Americans suffer and Biden pursues a radical green agenda. 
Number two, we're trying to fix a problem that was decimated, an immigration system, by the last administration. They're not coming up with solutions. They're using children as a political stunt. How dare they say something so inaccurate? Who broke the border, Biden or Trump? We all know the answer, but it does seem the Dems are hoping we forgot. And they're pretending that Trump smashed the border when he actually almost sealed it. And that was the press secretary. Number one. You know, it's still the economy, stupid. That's all that's going to matter. Record inflation, you know, another uh, interest rate hike by the Fed. None of it matters but the economy. That is uh, David Mortoski weighing in, uh, political pundit. 2022 GOP game plan just rolled out this hour. Eight weeks from election, six weeks from election day as Dems stick to their game plan to run against Trump and abortion. What is the winning message? Let's ask our secretary of everything, Geraldo Rivera, co-host of The Five, <laughs> Fox News correspondent at large. Geraldo, uh, I have, I, you could take all three, but let's start with the last one. I really believe they're trying to make this about Trump, and I just don't think it's sticking. What do you think? Uh, I think it depends really on uh, how potent the former president is uh, in terms of his own viability as a candidate for reelection. It's uh, it's really up. I think uh, it's up to President Trump if he wants to be the center of attention. I think that uh, he will give ammunition uh, to the Democrats. But I, I really, Brian, I really think that. Uh, you hit it on the on the nail on the head. Uh, the it is about I I believe it's about inflation, and it's about abortion. Those are the two biggest issues. I think immigration is also a, a, a potent issue, but not nearly uh, as central. I I think as uh, as the economy and as abortion. Those are the two very emotional issues. Right. One, you see at the gas pump, the price, or wherever it is. Uh, the other is, uh, you know, you got a kid who's in trouble. What does she do? What do you do? I think these are where we're headed, Brian. It's very, very volatile uh, combination of uh, issues. All right, so a few things. Yeah, they, they want to make it about Trump, but this is what, you know, Trump can do what he wants, and there's certain things, his actions. I'm not even talking about his actions, his rallies, his words. I'm talking about the January 6th. Oh, let's have the hearings again in September and another one in October. The Attorney General, Letitia James, nothing if she's not politically ambitious, just goes ahead and put together this civil suit because she wants to talk about Trump. The Georgia election investigation is about Trump. Now, Trump really hasn't personally made news he just sat down with Sean and for the most part does his rallies, which are pretty typical of the way there is, of, of the way it's been going. But you know what's genius about DeSantis and Abbott? They have managed to do what's in the best interest of the country and getting attention at the border. But look who they're blaming, and they really want to, to sell this notion. Here's the overmatched press secretary on The View yesterday, Cut 11. It is so inhumane because while we're trying to fix a problem that was decimated, an immigration system that was decimated by the last administration, they're not coming up with solutions. They're using children, they're using women and families as a political stunt, as a political ploy, because they don't want solutions at all. Really? You're really going to say that Trump broke the border? I think that uh, Abbott and DeSantis are guilty of using, uh, you know, these uh, many, many of them political refugees who have already uh, applied or will soon apply for asylum as props. I think that that is deplorable. However, 
I agree, Brian, with your basic premise that uh, Trump did a much better job at the border than Biden has done. What President Biden has done was kill uh, the whatever order at the border existed with kindness, uh, with his signaling, uh, uh, you know, however subtly or overtly uh, that the that the United States was open to all comers. I think that he has ignited President Biden has ignited a mass migration. Uh, and it is, uh, you know, a, a poor people coming to a country, a rich country, where there are jobs, where there are, you know, uh, no real impediments to their crossing the frontier. Uh, you know, I, I think it's really very serious. Uh, and, you know, it, it calls, it, it demands uh, you know, bipartisan answers. You know, we have to have a border. You can't have a nation without a border. On the other hand, you can't continually, uh, you know, bring into the political sphere mm -hmm. uh, people who are seeking what we would seek if we were them. So, uh, you know, the American rather, you said make, I know that's a, that's a dominant thought. I mean, there's just no doubt. I could tell you 20 things Donald Trump did that the Democrats fought him on. He had to repurpose defense spending to get 450 miles of the wall, many of which was rebuilt. Number two, he had to threaten tariffs on Mexico. Many people were insulted by that. Then he had to take away aid from the Triangle countries. Many people thought that was a bridge too far and cruel to the Hispanic community. And what he did is made friends with Brazil because he wanted to make sure that Bolsonaro was not going to give way to the socialists, who is basically an incarnation of him. Now, you don't like what the, uh, what the governors have done, but they all have done, they all knew where they were going. They all, 20% of everybody that crossed roughly, have signed forms saying, send me to New York. And what he's doing is he's a desperate situation. All these small border communities, which you know as well as anybody, you walk the walk. You don't just say, okay, show me a satellite photo. You've probably been to all of these places. They're overwhelmed. So he's saying, yeah, you think I'm going to suffer and you're going to ignore me? No, I'm going to spread the story to your city and make it impossible to ignore. And it is. And to me, this is a major story that only Bill Malusian and Griff Jenkins were willing to cover and, you know, the report from Politico is that Bill Malusian, they say, was getting under the skin of the White House. Well, I think Malusian is doing a fantastic job. Moreover, I think that even though I disagree with many of the uh, editorialists uh, in our network, I think that Fox must be commended for bringing attention to an issue. I think uh, use of drone photography is what made it undeniable yeah. that the border was anarchy and out of control. Uh, but, Brian, you have to also understand yep. that we have a situation where you've had uh, Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua, all communist countries. Were they communists during the Trump regime? Were uh, they communists during Kennedy? Were they communists during Reagan? Yes, yes, and yes, 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 and Two no. Two of the three. But uh, the, 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 the problem is now you have an influx of people who, under our laws as they currently exist, can appropriately apply for political asylum. Right. So what are we going to do? We have to have a reality that matches that. Very easy. Harald, uh, uh, you've, you've often said to people that I'm the smartest person you know. Okay, you never have. But let me tell you, I can just solve this very easily. Uh, Venezuela is the first country you go into. You expand the consulate with personnel and maybe some square footage. And the first country they go into, that's where they apply for asylum. And it would be Colombia. 
And it would be, you know, Nicaragua. I don't have it in front of me. The first country they go to, I understand you want to leave communism. I understand that. So then you expand the consulate. You with you flood the State Department. You have to tell the State Department some of your personnel going to get off your butts in Washington. You go down to uh, Bolivia and some of these places uh, uh, that are struggling. And you and we find out where the Cubans are crossing, and then we we bulk it up there so we screen who's coming. You know Venezuela more than likely is emptying their prisons. You know Hugo Chavez began to transition that country, so this is not a new story. I was there, two thousand and two. Yeah. So you, this is not a new story. Nicaragua's an old story. Cuba's an ancient story. So now, and by the way, the, the New York Post, if their numbers are correct, they say twenty percent, twenty seven percent of the crossers are from those countries. If you take away that twenty seven percent, still an all-time high have come across our border. So the whole communist, what do you want me to do thing, is really not based in fact. Well, I uh, I, I disagree. I think that it's it, when you remember the Marielle Boatlift uh, in 1980 or so, uh, what Castro did, he emptied yeah, so the prison. You don't think that Venezuela is doing that? They, I, I do believe that. I do believe that. They are taking advantage Send of them. our I don't want compassion. Them. I don't want uh, them. But, 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 uh, you know, it's extremely disruptive. You know, I don't think Colombia's got the uh, – uh, can de- can deal with it either. But I, I, I like your activism in terms of trying to stop yeah. this at the source. I, I like that. I, I believe that that should be part of any approach. Because don't, don't you uh, think, Geraldo, think World War II, we got so much of our great intellects from, from refugees from those countries like yeah, Einstein? Yeah, but we also, Brian, tragically in World War II, uh, you know, kept the Jews out. Uh, and After? many of the other vulnerable populations out. And as a result, they had to go back to Europe where they were decimated or they were exterminated, I should say. But, uh, we can't allow that. But here's we the difference. You're right. You're right, Aldo. I just watched that documentary, too. But here's the difference. They were coming in. They were applying. And we, and we made the decision at the time uh, and to not let them in or, OK, let, uh, let the German Jews in. And we're going to debate that you can watch and and let um, Ken Burns talk about that. And it's great. And I think it's important. But we are so overwhelmed. We don't even know who's coming in. That's what gets me. Not that I want these. uh, I want these migrants coming. Maybe 90 percent will be assets on all different walks of life. Uh, Great, great scholars, great workers, craftsmen, whatever. But they're just this is just not the way to do it. What we need, what we need is a new Ellis Island, in the sense that we need to have a, a structure where we can review who is applying for entry into this country and make a reasonable calculation as to whether or not that person would be an asset. Right, but you can't uh, do it without States. a sealed border. You can't do it without control. You can't do it without yep. order. I, I am in favor of completing the wall, but what you suggest in terms of the expanding of the consuls in the the countries neighboring the communist countries you know it's it's it, it, yes it will have some impact but you can't deal with such sobriety when you have huge waves of people washing ashore but look what happens though look at florida look what florida and and communist cuba just 90 miles away Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz, you hear them speaking against uh, immigration in a very forceful way. Both of them are Cuban of Cuban heritage. Absolutely. Uh, we and, and the, the Cubans have become such an integral part Absolutely. of not only the government or, or the, the society in Florida, but throughout the nation. Uh, these are, these are generally legally. speaking, hardworking, ambitious 
uh, you know, law-abiding. They're not coming to join right. uh, MS-13. They're, they're coming to Right, but the people that are, we suburbs. have to stop, and the fentanyl, we have to stop immediately. And by the way, Ted Cruz's dad, did Ted Cruz's dad order. actually kill JFK or just help kill him? Did what? Didn't, the, didn't President Trump, didn't the New York, President oh, Trump did, said he... Did President Trump... Trump didn't Ted Cruz's dad help him? plot against JFK? Oh, right, yes, right. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. See, I told he you we shouldn't have let Ted Cruz in. He was one of the plotters. I remember. Right. The Absolutely. Him and Lee Harvey. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, so what are you going to be doing? Uh, what are you doing today? Uh, are you doing the five? Uh, not, not today. Next week. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I did your show earlier. Uh, and I, it is my uh, my honor and my delight constantly to talk to you every Friday. It's, uh, <laughs> it's it, 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 it keeps me sharp. It does. It gets you ready for gut belt. <laughs> gets ready. But no, you make you make every show better because you're willing to speak your mind, and that's well, that's I, it. I, I try, Brian, but I think that this issue of immigration is very serious. You're dealing with lots of lives, and uh, you know stunts aren't going to cure this problem. But it, it's, it's getting attention. To... It's getting attention, and it's but helping. I, I I think that we all we are paying attention now. Attention needs to lead to solution. The people who are complaining okay, about but, the but, issue. Okay, but the first step is, is first step is acknowledging the problem. I've seen. I think uh, you're absolutely right about that, and I'm. I, I am. It is. It was a wicked, clever uh, scheme that uh, Abbott and DeSantis hatched. I got now, him to uh, clever, Allison. Let the record read. I got him to clever. <laughs> All right, uh, Geraldo. Have a great weekend. Uh, I love you, brother. All right, back at you. Uh, when we come back, your calls one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Does your bank have a policy against funding new oil and gas products? Absolutely not, and that would be the road to hell for America. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Sir, you know what? Everybody that got relief from student loans has a bank account with your bank should probably take out their account and close their account. That is the ridiculous Rashida Tlaib. If she's not making anti-Semitic statements, she's making delusional green statements, telling Jamie Dimon of J.P. Morgan, who I don't think is totally clean. I'm finding out more and more about their investments in China and what they're doing in terms of tracking, which, is, uh, which he's got to come clean on. But having said that, we all know that if you have an investment account, big or small, major company, major billionaire or, or, a, or a police officer, making sure your pension is maximizing its profits so you can retire early, the last thing you want is somebody trying to be politically correct with your money. And if you talk about fossil fuels, it's that you're not exactly financing drug cartels. Fossil fuels fuel this country. They make your genes. They're, they they exist in your keyboard, your iPad, your iPhone. Of course, what they do with trucks that deliver things to your home, as well as your cars, your houses, everything. They keep the world running. There's a responsible way to do it. Renewables of the future. What you do in a free market economy is work that direction. You cannot tell major institutions who have boards to answer to and investors and stockholders to live up to. That you got to stop investing in fossil fuels when you know for the good of the country that, of course, we need it. The fact that we pulled it back has jeopardized our, our overall security. Steve, you're listening on the app in Massachusetts. Hey, Steve. Hey, good morning, Brian. You know, that, that Rashida Tlaib comment, I've heard a couple of people say that, you know, that's, 
that's very far. That's the far Democratic right. I have to tell you, I live in Massachusetts. I'm a Fall River. I'm a former uh, GOP state committee man. And right here in this state, we have our, our attorney general we have right now, Maura Healy. A year and a half ago, she blocked two natural gas pipelines from being built inside the state of Massachusetts. So lo and behold, what happens? The price is going to go up because of supply and Absolutely. demand. Well, well, guess what, Brian? What happened now? National Grid put in for a 64% increase. So you're going to see people here with bills that are, that are getting 150 to $200 bills. They're going to jump to over 300 And this woman now is running for governor on the Democratic ticket. And there's nobody in the media but some of us small-time people who are advocates for the Republican Party who are trying to beat her over Steve, the head. Steve, Steve, one, uh, one thing you're valuable. Uh, number two is when everyone sees their bills, the Democrats around you will know exactly who to blame. And number two is I hear you have to import your energy instead of getting it from Pennsylvania. That, uh, that from Venezuela and other evil countries, that instead of getting a pipeline basically for free from our neighbors in the East. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Millions of people are in our country now that shouldn't be here. Uh, many of them are prisoners. Would you deport them? Criminals. Uh, the bad ones I would deport. Yeah, the bad ones I would deport. Venezuela is emptying their prison population into the United States, going right through the border like nothing. We're poisoning our country, and it's very hard to come back from that. I want to see... Great leadership in this country, more important than Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative. I want to see great leadership. Our country's going to hell. We are a nation in decline. Welcome back, everyone. Steve Ducey in studio, author of the brand new book, The Happy in a Hurry Cookbook. Uh, co- the Simply Happy Cookbook. Oh, yeah. We I got a million of them. Wait a second. Yeah. Ten seconds. Are we live, Allison? Oh, geez, there goes my iPad. <laughs> uh, simply the happy uh, cookbook, but Steve, if you could pick that up. Yeah. I did get AppleCare, but AppleCare doesn't really help much. Uh, here you go. Right. Right. Like that? Yeah, that's good. Uh, the, simply, uh, so the Simply Happy Cookbook is now out <laughs> for how long, Steve? Uh, two weeks. For two weeks. It is now out. You're fresh off a trip to the villages. We're very close to where Donald Trump lives. Uh, in fact, Brian, uh, we use the same crew that shot Sean Hannity's interview at Mar-a-Lago. They showed they, they got in the trucks and they drove up to the villages and uh, everybody slept for about 15 minutes. And then we did the live show from the villages. Yeah, where you poured beer in the morning. First of all, what was your take? You've seen Donald Trump interviewed so many times. What would mm-hmm. you take? Um, a li- Do you think a little different than before? A little calmer. Yeah. I- but he didn't have a great day leading up to it. It's just a James, the 226-page indict, whatever that is, yeah. civil civil court indictment. He's got a lot coming at him. Civil suit. Uh, and it was great that he sat down with Sean just because Sean had a million questions, and he answered all of them. Uh, yeah. Unlike Joe Biden, who's too busy to actually sit down and answer more than eight. Right. Um, it would be very interesting if he was 50, lost, and wanted to come back. In our lifetime, we've never – Bush 41 lost? Okay, done. Yep. Walter Mondale lost. No one's like, oh, we need you to give another shot. He never actually won. Jimmy Carter lost. 
never said, I'm going to give it another shot. He was probably in his 60s. Right. That we've never seen this before. But there's something in, in Donald Trump's DNA. He has always, you know, I think his, uh, it was something that his father taught him. It's about competition. You're, you always have to win. Right. And, and I, at his core, he wants to win. Right. Do you think the not ha- if he thought there was a good chance he'd lose because any Republican Democrat running for president, a country so divided, that he would risk, would rather not play than lose? I think that's part of the calculation into whether or not he's going to run because he would hate to lose and and as, as everybody would. So, you know, he kind of hasn't he's kind of revealed that he people will be real happy when they hear his decision. So, you know, as soon as the midterms are over, I think we're going to hear his decision. Right. I think so, too. Um, I think I'm very curious because the word was he was going to and you have good sources. He was going to announce in September. What changed? Well, I think it was the Mar-a-Lago thing. I think it was that uh, FBI search. Yeah, Uh, because I think – but what I had heard – what I've heard from a number of top Republicans, and in fact, we had Ronna McDaniel on our show. She and others were – Pushing him not to, right? Absolutely. Wait until after the midterms because ultimately – and the former president changed – you know, uh, he seems to be hunkered down through the midterms now – is people were saying – he doesn't want to be blamed if the Republicans don't pick up uh, the Senate, the House, stuff like that, or don't pick up as many. So I think he's trying to steer clear. So what I don't understand is why not, you know, he's got $100 million in his super PAC. He put Blake Masters there. He put Mastriano there. He obviously put Dr. Oz there. He put Herschel Walker there. And high-profile racist Don Bolduck was inspired by him but never got fully got an endorsement. Do you think at some point he's going to write them checks? And support their candidacy? Well, if he's going to, he better hurry because, you know. We're, Masters especially. We're 50, what, 52 days away? You know, Peter Thiel, I think the conventional wisdom was the, the billionaire tech guy was going to help him out in Arizona. But so far, he has not. I think he helped him in the primary. But so far, he's relying on uh, Mitch McConnell to do the heavy lifting with the financing. So there's two things. I think it's conventional wisdom and agreed upon. Uh, the Democrats want to run on Donald Trump's terrible. Yep. And they want to run on abortion uh, if the Republicans want to stop you from having an abortion. So it was very hot in, in August, and I see that, according to reports, the economy is getting so challenging that it's overwhelming everything. Crime's becoming so real, and thanks to DeSantis and Abbott, now immigration is hot. Did Stacey Abrams help or hurt the Democratic message with this? Cut eight. There is no such thing as a heartbeat excuse. It is a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body. Right. What she was saying there was she was saying that that sound at when somebody is pregnant five weeks in, that heartbeat sound that you have with the ultrasound. Fake. She said that's a I think her terminology was something like it was mechanical or it was created by men to control women. Listen, uh, you know, I remember back in the day when my wife was pregnant. I would love that, to be on some of these man decisions, by yeah. the way, because I'm technically a man. Technically. Um but and I got two kids who are having children, and so, you know, when they call us up and say, "Hey, mom and dad, we heard the heartbeat today," that that's the heartbeat. And and what they're doing now is is Planned Parenthood has changed the terminology so that you know it's not a complete heart; it's a, it's a cardiac sound. It's not a heartbeat. It's a heartbeat, right? It, 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 and it's a sign of life, and that's what 
people who are fighting against abortion are saying, look, you know, abortion ends a life. So this this shifts the argument to science. And do they want to argue science and life? They want to argue health care and decisions right. and men trying to dominate. But this brings it back to medical. I think it's a disaster. Brian, you're absolutely spot on because now it's about is it a heartbeat? And so if it's not at five weeks, is it at eight weeks? Is it at 10 weeks? You, you got to say yes. And so it's like, why did she open that can of worms? Right. Uh, so family obviously is a big story. Uh, AOC blames capitalism on the fact that she won't have a family. Ben Dominich, who's expanding his family, uh, took on that issue directly. But more importantly, your family is helping you and Kathy out this time in huge <laughs> numbers. This they is not are. a Kathy. This is not a Steve Ducey. Kathy makes one appearance and, of course, dominates the book and goes and does some things. Now you have Peter helping you out. Yeah. You have family stories. You t- the, the big story last week. Along with maybe the um, the Letitia James story was the fact that Peter, uh, uh, <laughs> Peter and Hillary are pregnant, and so is Sally. Yep. So, uh, talk about this book and how much enjoyment you're getting making this a family operation. Well, they've all you know the whole idea is, and and Brian, your family has helped us out with uh, two of the earlier books. Every family has favorite recipes. Like your mom was famous in your town for her meatballs. Right. And your your Aunt Kathy is famous for what is a Kilmeade family recipe, which is the artichoke pie. Right. Although there a lot is, of salt. There is a division because half the family likes meat in it and the other half does not. Broke us apart. Uh, pretty much. Forget the Hatfields and, and uh, McCoys. It was it's, the McGoys and Kilmeads. Right. It, it's, it's more like prosciutto or no prosciutto. Right. Watch your mouth. And, <laughs> and so um, – Everything when it comes to food, it's very personal and it's very family oriented. And now, uh, with the other night on Fox Nation, it was a week ago. Peter and Hillary helped me create, uh, actually create on TV, on the streaming service, the lasagna grilled cheese. People love lasagna. Right. They love grilled cheese. You put them together. I'm, Brian, I'm telling you, it's the best uh, darn sandwich you've ever had. Are you for taste or? Or do you do you what role does nutrition play in some of these recipes? Are you just for like go for the taste and just don't gorge yourself? Let, let me ask you. You're going to wind up answering this question when you are thinking you're exhausted, you're dead tired, right? You're thinking about dinner yep. at the end of the day. Exactly. Are you thinking, you know, what uh, what has 18 calories in it uh, <laughs> and is healthy for me? No, you think about something that's just going to taste good because you know. As right. we come out of the pandemic, which was an existential threat, sometimes the only thing we had to look forward to was dinner at right. the end of the day. I just uh, – the one thing about like I'm into I, – I eat to survive. And I just <laughs> – a lot of this stuff, I before I remember in college, I would have – it would be – I used to – I bought Hamburger Helper. Yeah, so and, did I. Yeah, so did I, and everything was powdered. And I thought that's the way of the world. I go, everything's gone powdered. You to gotta, stir. You, it's space age. Uh, what, are they gonna, what are the scientists going to come up with next? So, and then I used to have uh, meat, and I used to be like, you know, that oven is so dirty. I think yeah. I'll fry it. Oh, even better. Right. And frozen. Sure. So uh, you have to be really patient and very <laughs> crusty. So, I mean, that's basically my background. And then my mom, understanding that food was an issue for me, well, actually mailed to California, would mail to California my her meatballs. Yeah. How crazy is that? Well, but that's what... And that's then demands her Tupperware back. That's what a parent does. And I think, I, I it seems to me, I remember you told me that uh, your mom would make you meatballs at your dorm. Yes. She would show up 
And it'd be like, yeah, Brian, forget about you. Hey, wait, Mrs. Yeah. Kilmeade, hello. Because I went to college 40 minutes, 45 minutes away from uh, without traffic from where I worked. So, I mean, where I went to school. And what she did, when I told her the whole dorm liked her meatballs, yeah. she goes, oh, next thing I know, and then I had three Tupperwares to bring home. Because next thing I'm bringing them down, and people would literally come up with the meatballs, like with, four, with just a fork. That's fantastic. I'm like, guys, do you have any plates? So I just wanted the plates, too. But see, they were famous in your town because at Kilmeade's, uh, they were one of the appetizers, yeah. one of the finger foods that that. Everybody was counting on your mom to make every day, so she made them every day. So when you put together the, uh, not your last book, but this one, uh, the Simply Happy Cookbook, how much does photography, like I remember having to get pictures for the Games Do Count. It was such a hassle getting Robin Williams pictures in college. Yeah. For this, how hard was it getting the photography to take a picture of every meal for the book? Well, you, you need a really good food photographer because- And you got to make it. Right. You, Actually, what you do, we we made every recipe at least five times just to make sure. But this is something they never tell you. When you agree to do a cookbook, you sign a contract that these that you have actually come up with these recipes and they work because nobody wants to follow a recipe and it's like that didn't turn out right. And so uh, in that process, then we came in contact with a guy who is a fantastic food photographer uh, over in Brooklyn. And his wife is the food stylist. So essentially, when the cookbook was done, we gave them the cookbook, and they took all the pictures. And they're beautiful. Oh, really no, they're, they're fantastic. Almost uh, the best of pictures. Of, do you ever have a collage you had to bring to school when they say yeah. cut up it? I used to choose Better Homes and Gardens. A lot of glossies. Yours are better. Oh, right. Better than better homes and gardens. Thank you. Right. Even better than the geraniums uh, and the and the daisies. What wait, what about popular mechanics? Pop- I know I know popular mechanics and this is one of your this is one of your categories was always big on jetpacks. Right. Absolutely. Uh, because I am thinking somebody is going to work on a jetpack. And to tell you the truth, I don't even know why I'm for a jetpack. To me, I, I can never feel as though they perfected it. Because oh. once you're in the air and they say we're still working out a few right. bugs, no, it's, it's you'll have to crash. It's dangerous, even if you were in a helmet. It's dangerous. I, good luck for Uber doing the flying things, but it would be handy for you because you're always working, right. so you could get to and from work quickly. I never. These are the. This is a phrase I I never said. Give me that, I'll fix it. I've never said that. You don't need to. That's why if I right. did get popular mechanics instead of Sports <laughs> Illustrated, right. I probably would have said, "Wait a second, I read an article about this. I'll take it from right. here, honey." Uh, I remember in the like the late '60s, the big topic was this is so far in the future, we don't know if it'll ever happen in our lifetimes. And the and the invention was the airbag for a car. Yeah, because remember the that, big debate about it too. Absolutely, it used to be just a strap. You you essentially strap yourself into a car like Chuck Yeager, and uh, then they came up with this thing. Man, I hope it blows up if I have a crash. Steve, just give us an idea. And you're going to join me on One Nation later, Yes, right? I am. Uh, give me an idea before we go, uh, some of the people in the book. Well, uh, Dan Bongino and his wife, uh, Paula, contributed her delicious empanadas. And, you know, he was uh, he was guarding the Bush girls in South America, and he fell in love with empanadas, but they were fried and they were real heavy. And his wife, Paula, said, you know what? Let me come up with a, a lighter baked version. Bake them. Yeah, and so she came up with a great version that uh, we use egg roll wrappers with. Uh, Dana Perino, Greg Gutfeld, uh, Jesse Waters all contributed to the five charcuterie board. Wow. Uh, And, okay, so when was the last time you saw a charcuterie board with Pez? 
Never. Okay. Gutfeld. It's, it's of course it is. Yeah. Uh, Dana came up with the salami roses, and uh, Jesse loves manchego cheese. It's all in there. It's all in there. All right. And uh, a bunch of other uh, Brett Bear's wife helped with the recipe that we're, uh, you know, is a delicious uh, artichoke chicken thing that we worked with our friend Martha. So it's it's a combination. It's it's team. You know, sometimes it takes a village. Right. A village is put together the simply happy cook. And you, of course, surprise people at the villages. Lastly, did you do Gutfeld yet? I did. I did it and, uh, a week ago. And how did it go? It went great. Beautiful studio. I mean, how great! It, you've been in tons of studios. You yeah. were at Thirty Rock. Yeah, I'm telling you. I know it doesn't have the enormity, and it's not exactly Carson and Letterman. But I'm telling you, that studio is intimate, and it's it is fantastic. It is beautiful, uh, and they've got all the good equipment and the great lighting. And uh, the problem is, uh, they got to work afternoon. Just right, uh, six thirty. Yeah, that's the problem. He works at six thirty. At least doesn't have to stay up till eleven. Steve, congratulations on the book, uh, the Simply Happy Cookbook. I'm sure the New York Times will have good news for you shortly. Uh, they already came out with the list. Number one cookbook. Wow, uh, that is awesome. Uh, congratulations, Steve. Uh, go pick it up. Where do you go? You can go to simplyhappycookbook.com wherever you buy books. Walmart's got a special edition just with a special chapter on holidays. Do you have a place that they can get a signed book? Go to simplyhappycookbook.com, and there are two different retailers that already have signed copies. Well, that's fantastic. All right, Steve, congratulations again. Thank you, Mr. Kilby. You got it. All right, uh, we'll see you shortly. And, of course, you can watch Steve tonight at 8. He's going to news duel it out with a cooking-themed news duel. Hmm. Uh, when we come back, I see your calls up there. We'll get to it. Brian Kilmeade Show. Let's welcome tonight's guest. He's our number one guest when we can't get Steve Ducey. Fox & Friends co-host Brian Kilmeade. Just like Fox and Friends, without the green room and free Danish. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. But there are quite a few countries that are really struggling because young people, because under the burdens of capitalism and under living under a society that's increasingly concentrating wealth among the rich, we're not having kids. And, or we're not having kids at the same rate. We actually need immigrant populations to help balance things out. Because you wouldn't have children. We need people to flood our border illegally. Yes, fantastic. Uh, because the country, the world is not good enough for AOC to procreate. Debbie, you're listening in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hey, Debbie. Hey, how are you? Good. What's on your mind? Well, um... It's really irritating the Democrats and their arguments against us on the border because, you know, just because we want a secure and organized border does not mean that we are anti-immigrant. And their policy of allowing complete chaos on the border is not compassion, but it does depict the fact that they are lazy and completely incompetent when it comes to that border. They are more concerned about their virtue signaling than they are the actual human beings that are trying to come up from those countries and the people that live along that border. Well, I hope to see you in Tulsa, Oklahoma, KRMG listener. That's who Debbie is. Uh, I'll be there November 13th. Uh, but let me just tell you, Debbie, you're 100% right. And the only thing that made them talk about it was when the, the Border Patrol on horse was evidently doing something they thought was bad to immigrants from Haiti. And number two is when Governor DeSantis sent some to Martha's Vineyard. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. 
Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, heard around the world. Coming up shortly, uh, John Chris, one of America's finest comedians. You'll love his perspective. Willing to take on the headlines, everything from the pandemic uh, to Facebook. Also, he's going to be joining us on One Nation Saturday night at 8 o'clock. Shannon Bream cannot stay up late. Even if she goes to bed earlier now because she does a network show called Fox News Sunday. And uh, they don't let her stay up to 8 o'clock. But if she wants to DVR it and watch it the same day, we'll count in the rating cycle. So before we talk to Shannon, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I believe it's going to come down certainly next year. Although, let's be clear, there are risks. We're seeing Putin weaponize oil and gas in fighting this war. Right. It's Putin again. Uh, Janet Yellen exposed in a time in which we need to rally if we're to stop a recession and inflation. We're playing politics. How do we know that the Inflation Reduction Act was exposed by none other than John Kerry, who said, yeah, it really doesn't do anything for inflation. It just forwards my green agenda. Inexcusable. Number two, we're trying to fix a problem that was decimated an immigration system by the last administration. They're not coming up with solutions. They're using children as a political stunt. Ugh. There's a lot of things Trump did wrong that you could debate whether he did right or wrong. But when it comes to the border, how could you possibly say Trump broke it? He did everything to fix it, including 450 miles. But that is the spin of wall, I should say. That is the spin Democrats have on, have on this because they know they are losing this argument. Number one. You know, it's still the economy, stupid. <laughs> that's all that's going to matter. Record inflation, you know, another uh, interest rate hike by the Fed. None of it matters but the economy. Yeah, that is uh, David Murtasco weighing in on the 2022 GOP game plan. Rolled out about an hour ago. We are just six weeks from Election Day as the Dems try to stick to their plan of labeling everything Trump and abortion. What is the winning message? Joining us now is Shannon Bream. Shannon, welcome. What does it feel like having the network show on your resume now? Did you change your resume and already push uh, Fox News at night down? You know what? I was thinking the other day, like, when's the last time you got your resume together? Ah. Uh-huh. You know, like when you're in college, you work on it, you get it just right, and you updated your first couple jobs, and then you just sort of like, I guess I'm not using that anymore. Times have changed. Yeah, and hopefully you don't need a resume. I mean, like right. if someone and if I if, do, I will <laughs> scramble to get it together, and I'll, that will be on the top of the list. For right. Sure. It's always good to have it at a Kinko's where you can run down and just say, "Can you print it out on?" Put in your floppy disk. Yes. Print it out just in case. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> uh, first off, on the issue of abortion, Axios did this word scrabble thing about how often it's used in the political vernacular. It is uh, was second two months ago. Was eleventh uh, one month ago. It is now not in the top twenty. Why do you think that is? Well, we have seen it, it tick up among things that voters tell us they actually care about, they're worried about, is going to drive their vote. Um, Democrats have spent over $100 million on ads specifically talking about this in key states, key battlegrounds as we're heading to the midterm. So they want to talk about it. It's definitely something that motivates their base. Our own Fox News polling found that people that uh, abortion is one of their top issues, 75% of them say they're going to vote Democrat. 
So Democrats know it's a good issue for them, and they've spent a lot of time and money trying to move it up the list. Um, you know, Gallup does this monthly thing where they ask what's the, the most important issue or problem driving things in America. And abortion, I think, is now in, like, fourth place by their last reading. So for them, it's showing up as something that isn't a big deal. But you have to remember, too, that cuts both ways because there are pro-life voters out there, too, who say uh, yeah. that's also something that's going to drive them to the polls. Right. Did you feel you had to outdo me with Gallup when I came up with Axios? Well, listen, I'm just saying I like to have as many polls as possible. We can turn <laughs> ourselves into, like, the amalgam of all polls. Right. And, now I have to and let people decide. We yeah. report, they decide. The fact that you use the word amalgam on our show, I do not. Uh, Allison, would you fact check that? Would you find out if anyone else has used that today? <laughs> um, and we can't, we can only use it once. It's my uh, word of the day calendar, so I had to work it in. Right. Uh, Axios midterm dashboard, most searched topics in the U.S. So abortion was second, June 20th. July 25th, uh, it was 11th. And September 12th, it was not in the top five and not in the top 25. So just maybe uh, gallop some interesting about what matters most. Uh, we'll certainly see on that. Uh, we'll see. We never know. We never know if Vladimir Putin's going to be ousted. That'll become a big issue and a positive, I imagine, at least temporarily for Joe Biden, if something like that happens. So things could certainly change. But mm-hmm. I think Stacey Abrams, in my opinion, really hurt the abortion, the Dobbs decision and the abortion argument that they wanted to talk about women's rights, men taking it away, or Republicans trying to not respecting women. They wanted to do all that about uh, about women's health care. But then Stacey Abrams said this, cut eight. There is no such thing as a heartbeat. It is a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body. And I'm thinking to myself, really? You're making science matter? You're making uh, doctors come into the fray, get them part of the debate, and talk about what is a viable life? They wanted to talk about rights. They don't want to talk about when is a baby a baby. Am I correct? Well, if you want to now rebut the science to this point, which has appeared all over the world, including until it was modified on the Planned Parenthood website. When was that? Yesterday? Heartbeat. It was modified um, yesterday, wasn't it? No, it was actually a little, uh, maybe a few weeks ago, okay. two or three weeks ago. Um, so it seems like that has been maybe a messaging idea that you got to take away this idea that some of these bills are called heartbeat bills. Like if you can detect a heartbeat, usually around six weeks, um, which is very early. I mean, a lot of people may not know they're pregnant, especially if they're not trying to get pregnant. Um, but now they're changing it to say that there's some kind of manufactured sound on an ultrasound machine, which have been used for all time, I guess, have been deceiving people with a fake. I mean, it's the it's cardiac activity. You can call it whatever you want to. But until recently, people across the board agreed. I mean, doctors, um, OBGYNs, scientists out there would say, yes, there is some cardiac activity with, um, you know, six weeks into a pregnancy. So um, I'm not sure how much she helps herself with making that argument because everybody who's out there who has had um, the joy of having a baby that was expected and loved and wanted has gone to see those early heartbeat, um, you know, ultrasound appointments and been really excited to hear that noise. So Stacey Abrams, who's getting crushed in Georgia election, she said she never lost, losing by about 8 to 10 then she's on the stage. To me, she made things more difficult for her argument. I don't even want to get into where you stand. Uh, it's not important. But I think if you're going to argue the issue, if Republicans and pro-lifers would love to argue it this way. So I think she changed it and hurt herself. We'll see where this uh, and hurt her argument, which is, I guess, pro-abortion, uh, wherever it stands. The other major issue, and I don't care where you stand, Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis have made the country pay attention to our busted border and introduced the border wars. 
And now we're seeing that everybody's got to take a position on where they stand on something that Bill Malusian, Griff Jenkins, just about everyone on our channel that anchors the show has been saying, why are you not paying more attention to what's happening at the border? I wasn't expecting this tactic from Republicans, and that is it was broken before we got here. Cut 11. It is so inhumane because while we're trying to fix a problem that was decimated, an immigration system that was decimated by the last administration, they're not coming up with solutions. They're using children. They're using women and families as a political stunt, as a political ploy, because they don't want solutions at all. Wow. I I was like, really? So the border was broken before? I mean, the numbers don't lie. The 450 miles that he built don't lie. The wall, the one that we paid for that he won't build, does not lie. The Border Patrol tells the story on a daily basis. We have the video, and you're saying it was worse before. I I was astounded by that tactic. How about you, Shannon? Well, when you only look at hard numbers, like you said, if we're talking about numbers that come in from government agencies that are nonpartisan, it's just data. I mean, it doesn't take sides. It's not partisan. And we're getting to record numbers, and the increase has been astronomical um, under this administration. So, you know, the Trump administration, this problem didn't go away, but a lot of people there at the border will say the numbers went down. And and what he was doing had sent a message that it was not going to be a hospitable climate to show up here illegally and expect that you would come into the country, whereas you saw our Griff Jenkins last week um, interviewing some of the folks who were dropped off at the vice president's house here in D.C. saying, well, no, we know we can't come legally, but we know it's no problem to come illegally. Like That's the message that we all have in South and Central America. So, I mean, that's their perception of it, the people who are coming here. So what they're saying is New York is now opening up beds and they put building this thing called, do you want to jot this down for the weekend, tents uh, in it. the Bronx? Got it? You, you have it? All right, T-A-N-T. S, I think we'll spell check that. So they're going to do this revolutionary concept called tents. They're actually going to get cruise ships, putting them in hotels. They're saying, because we have a heart. We have a heart. Really? You have a heart? They're getting, they're complaining about 10,000 in a year. They get 8,000 a day at the border in Texas alone. And listen to Nicole Roulette. She works as a marketing director of the rescue mission of El Paso. Not a partisan organization. Cut 16. El Paso has been good at taking the load so far. It is straining. It is draining. Um, I don't know how long we can do it for. Um, I don't know what people's politics are, but if you see someone who's hungry and dirty and tired, you have to respond to that as a human being, not as a Republican or a Democrat or an independent, just as a human being. Doesn't know what she could do. She goes on. Cut 16. And from a hospitality standpoint with the migrant situation, it's hard to tell them, hey, we don't have beds right now, but you can sleep on the floor. Um, that's not something we want to have to say to people. I know we're still expected to get more because they're planning to start releasing more at a time. Um, I just don't know when. So this is a nice little calm, but I feel like there's a storm coming. And, and she, you feel how upset she is. And she said, really? We're not sending our problem to you. We have to distribute people. We have nowhere to put them. These are small right. towns with no infrastructure. Shannon, the reality is somehow I think people, if they make a decision in six weeks, have to understand there's a right and wrong here. And there's no way I think DeSantis and Abbott could be being cruel. They're demanding people pay attention. 
Well, they may have to deal with a lot of legal issues, though, because as you know, there have been lawsuits uh, all over the place filed by them transporting people, which when the Biden administration was transporting people um, to different places, you know, flights into Westchester County in the middle of the night, that kind of thing, I can remember Peter Ducey going back and forth with Jen Psaki about this at the White House, and nobody was, you know, saying human trafficking, and nobody was threatening lawsuits over people being, you know, fraudulently induced and taken somewhere they didn't want to go. Uh, but immediately there are plenty of lawsuits about what Abbott and DeSantis have done, so we'll have to see you know, if there's anything to it, what these people were told. As the woman in El Paso said, these are people who are hungry and tired, and we should have compassion on people, but you have to remember that when the policies of a particular administration serve as a magnet, you are taking people into dangerous situations with coyotes and cartels and um, you know, putting them into situations where they come here and they are destitute in many ways because these border towns are overwhelmed. And if we we care about people, we have to clean up the immigration system. We have to make sure that they're treated, you know, kindly with respect. But if you're drawing them here with no hope of them integrating into society in any, you know, organized fashion, that's not compassionate either. True. Uh, I, I think it's pretty clear, number one, that if you have a form that says you want to go to New York and 20 percent of most of these border crossers say, please send me on an air-conditioned bus to New York, a lot of those people, those illegal immigrants, to land again Martha's Vineyard on a private jet on the, one of the most beautiful places in the country, it's hard to believe that they are actually going to sue, but they're suing Governor DeSantis for stress as opposed to walking through the jungle, paying off drug cartels, mm-hmm. leaving a family behind, crossing aboard the Rio Grande. They weren't stressed there, but landing in Martha's Vineyard where, I don't know, there was no 7-Eleven. They couldn't shop 24 hours a day. I, it, they had to sit on a porch with a nice ocean breeze. It's hard to believe that that's got standing. Well, and listen, to, to bring more than 100 National Guard or military members in there to uh, evacuate these people uh, after less than two days, not a good look because I can't imagine that the base that they're on right now is where they thought they wanted to go or is their ideal location. We'll see where they end up. But, you know, that was that was a very distinct reaction from that community. Uh, who do you have on this weekend? Because I'm afraid to read my guest list that I have for you. Okay, this is up to date for you. Okay. We've got Congresswoman Elise Stefanik in House GOP leadership. They've rolled out their commitment to America, much like contract with America, as we remember from the Newt Gingrich age. Um, and they've got critics on the left and the right, either who don't like the content of it. You know, already yeah. I've got in my inbox Speaker Pelosi saying these are mega extremist policies. Um, and Republicans have to hold together the conservative members of their group, too, like the Freedom Caucus, and stick together on this thing. So she's going to walk us through that, their argument to voters as they head to the midterms. And Senator Joe Manchin, who once again finds himself in the middle of everything, um, this funding deal, we run out of federal funding for the government on the 30th next week. And he has insisted the side deal he made with Schumer in order to get his vote for the Inflation Reduction Act, um, that that deal is going to be attached to the funding measure. And again, you've got people on both sides who don't want to vote for it. Um, Senator Lindsey Graham, you know, Republicans say it's a political payback. We're not going to do it. And you've got progressives and, and folks on the left like Bernie Sanders who are saying they don't like the content of the deal, which has to do with expediting oil and gas leases and green energy and that kind of thing, too. Um, so if it's tied to our funding and we only have a few days left, once again, Joe Manchin's calling the shots here in D.C. Amazing. Uh, Shannon Bream's going to be good because you did bring up something important that I have not discussed. The Freedom Caucus says, Kevin mm-hmm. McCarthy, prove yourself. So they're not yep. making him speaker. They're not, they haven't anointed him speaker yet should they get the majority. Uh, Shannon, it's going to be great. We're going to be watching Fox News Sunday and then, of course, the repeat on cable. Fox but News I'll Channel. But I'll see you first on Saturday. 
I'll see you. Oh, yes. One Nation. Did you forget you have a show on Saturday? I did. I, I work a lot. Are you I didn't know you did a reverse plug. Has that been done before? <laughs> I'll see you Saturday, uh, and then you can see me Sunday. Wow. Thank you. I said, oh, my goodness. Is Shannon Bream on the show? Did I mess up? <laughs> What happened to our chemistry? You're Ever on since the you show. You network. have a Saturday night show. <laughs> yeah, Saturday night. <laughs> Shannon Bream, thanks so much. Bye. Back in a moment. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. In a matter of moments, John Christ is going to be out here, one of America's uh, funniest comedians and fastest rising. If you want to know what John Christ is like on stage, let's listen to him talk about social media. My name's Landon. I've been wanting to work at Facebook for as long as I can remember. Back in 2020, they had no job openings available here except for the role of a fact checker. You know, I took the job, thought I was just going to be scrolling you know, my feed and just keeping people honest. But it turns out that is uh, not the case at all. What's the best way to describe it? Basically, it's only certain specific information that they like me fact-checking. It's kind of complicated, actually. It's pretty simple, really. But perfect example right here. we got a couple in front of a house, new homeowners. Well, have we fact-checked that? Did you talk to the bank? Do they have a mortgage? If so, you're not homeowners. Fact-checked. Removed. Remember, uh, like, back in college when we all took that class called Critical Thinking and they would just put kind of all the ideas in public and we would kind of choose which ones were best using our brains? Yeah, we kind of got rid of all that on the college campuses and replaced it with, you know, safe spaces and stuff like that. And, you know, social media fact-checking is just the natural progression of that. Here's a perfect example right here. A lady selling skin cream, and she says in her video, so many people have asked about my skincare regimen. Well, I'd like to fact check that. I looked it up. Two people have asked. Removed. Bye. So funny. John Christ uh, playing many roles, including what an honest coach would say and what true fans really think. He's going to be with us shortly, and what is it like being a parent at Disney? We can all relate to that. Uh, John Christ is here. He's also going to be on One Nation, which is Saturday night at 8 o'clock. I'll be on Fox and Friends tomorrow, too. American Reports this afternoon, by the way. Uh, and by the way, if you want to see me on, uh, on stage, BrianKillMe.com. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, Coach, is there anything you want to change? I mean, I mean, I don't know what you want me to tell that. Everybody's like, football is a team game, okay? It's not a team game, okay? I did my part, all right? I put in a great game plan. I mean, these players, they're horrible. These, my players are no good. I mean, everybody's like, no excuses. No, I got, you know what? I got 22 excuses, 11 on my offense and 11 on my defense. Our offensive coordinator is terrible. He gets half of his plays off of Madden, rookie mode. I mean, the guy is no good. In our offensive line, it's like Obama's immigration policy. Let everybody through. Do we have a chance next week? No, we don't. We're 0-8. We're not good at football. Tried to recruit bigger, better players to come play for us, but they went to good schools. I mean, they're all talking in the locker room like, we're a team, we're in this together, no matter what happens, we're together. Like, not me, dude, I'm out of here. This team's terrible. That is that is the uninspirational <laughs> words of John Christ. There you go. Uh, one of America's hottest comedians. Nice enough to come here before coming by One Nation, which is going to air Saturday at 8. Uh, hey, don't downplay this. Don't say uh, that. that's the main thing. This is the, this, 
the, this is the main thing. So you're worried that I'm going to put down my own show? Yeah, you go, hey, he's <laughs> coming for Fox Night, but he's also, he's like, this is the charity uh, appearance. If we were not live, I'd redo the whole open. Yeah, okay. Right? Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. are live. Okay. Heard around the country, around the world. John, it's great to see you. I've, I've, to research your role, I've never had such a great time. There you because go. Because you're all over YouTube. Yeah. Uh, you're all over the, this thing called the internet, which I yeah. think is here to stay. Thanks to Al Gore. Right. Thanks yeah. to Al Gore. Yeah. It was before that we had no way to communicate. Nah, I don't know. I, don't I had know. a word processor. That's a, you know, like like comedies, like like back in the Bible times, if if something was like those stories, you just had to tell them, right, to the next generation. <laughs> you just had to tell them, right. And you go, I don't know. This is what happened to Granddad, and that just right. not anymore. Well, that's yeah. how we got the Bible. It was like yeah. word of mouth for yeah. a few hundred years, right? You just had to write, like remember the stories, right? And now, yeah. do you think we even got close to the real stories? Because your dad's a pastor. Yeah. Do you think that like these, <laughs> the names have well, been changed? So, like if you if I I if you did, hey, John Chris does this football coach joke, and you we didn't watch it, you told it right at lunch. Yes, I would be like. No. It's not going to work. That's not good. Right. That's not how it because is you're not at all. Number one, you're not John Christ. Yeah. That's, and that's you, the first thing I should You butchered learn. it. You butchered right. it, absolutely. Funny thing about that video is that uh, ESPN actually ran it on on SportsCenter, but they took out the Obama joke. You're kidding they, me. They, 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 hey, they, hey, can we have uh, rights to use this? And I go, absolutely. And they took that joke out. What year was that? Was it here uh, in the office at the that time? That was 2018. They took it out. But doesn't that show yeah. exactly what they that, do? And then when, yeah. Well, that's why, that's why comedy is so amazing. Comedy is so strong right now because you go, mm, that isn't that, – that's not right. Like you listen – like during COVID and everybody's separated in their own homes and they would tell – you go – but you didn't have anyone else to like be like, yeah, that seems what you're just by yourself. Right. And they could just, they were like, and yeah, you're watching work. Anthony Fauci. You go, yeah. Whatever you do, don't wear a mask. Yeah. What, you know, and by the way, we're never going to get vaccine in time. Yeah. And this virus is never going to be a problem here. Yeah. And you're thinking, to yourself, <laughs> do, do we, do, does he not remember yeah. that yeah, we right, were watching that, him that? early? Yeah, yeah. That's what I say. They're like, they're like, what do you think? How's comedy doing? I was like, dude, we got so many great comedians. We got, Kevin Hart, Dave Chappelle, Anthony Fauci. Like this guy, <laughs> I always say in my show. Did that you, guy's hilarious, dude. Well, he, he is, but <laughs> a lot of people are laughing. They worship at the at the altar of Fauci. I mean, how can you say it's tough to be a comedian? I mean, it, it's just you, all you have to do is just watch the news. It's unbelievable. But, but see, I agree with you, but also I heard it's tough to be a comedian now. When you yeah. see Dave Chappelle, many people think he's the gold standard in your business. Yeah, yeah. And they're attacking him on stage. Tried to cancel yeah, him. Problem yeah. is, he can't be. Yeah. But they're attacking him on stage. They're yeah. still – I see, like, established comedians saying, I got to talk to Dave Chappelle about getting right about transsexuals. So <laughs> – yeah. but well, do you look at that and say, I better start lifting because people are going to take a run at me? I better start lifting weights? Yes. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I got to yeah, survive? Yeah. Or do you change your comedy? Well, that, that, well the only pe- the only time – well, not unfortunately. The only time people are ever offended is that truth. Right. I mean, that that's just a fact. You know, if it's not true – it's, it's not, not funny, and yeah, it's not. But like people say stuff about me, it's untrue on the internet. It goes, it doesn't, mm, it doesn't, it just go. It, and they, like you think the comedians have all the power, the comedians have no power. The audience has, has all the power. So if you say something, they don't laugh. You're done. Well, wasn't and it the, wasn't a month ago where Dave Chappelle had sold out a famous arena yeah, 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 in yeah. Minneapolis? Yeah, and they go, yeah, we're uh, gonna cancel. Yeah, well, and then he just sold that across town. Yeah, I think he's doing just fine. Yeah, Unf- well, they what the left doesn't understand is they. They played, they played into his hand of cards perfectly. Like he's that's they did exactly what he was hoping they would do. It's right. like go, oh, I'm I'm gonna quit Netflix. I'm gonna oh you're gonna quit your job. Okay, and then all the 
he he has no social media, right? And he's just they're just carrying his message, it's, and everybody goes, "Oh, you're going to shut that down?" Like when they so I think that one of the most powerful things that helped Trump is when they took him off Twitter, because people go, "Wait, what's he have to say?" Like you, if you shut somebody's like voice, that's why comedy. It's so strong. You just come in there and make a joke, and everybody just goes nuts. And they took him off Facebook. Yeah. And they, and they say you could take the most powerful person. And by the way, other other leaders who hated Trump yeah. were totally were blown away that <laughs> yeah. they did that. Yes. And then now there you I, go. Well, that's concerning. Yeah. So I, we have Dan Bongino on the show, yeah. and he they were Rumble once. Uh, went uh, public. Okay. It's now Rumble, you go on. They have his own oh, infrastructure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So now people are saying, okay, now you can't cancel me. Yeah. I have my own infrastructure there. Own. Yeah. yeah, so go ahead and try. So I think yeah. that alerted a lot of people. And if you, like, you don't understand how big these, like, you're like, oh, like, NASCAR, no one goes to it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to the race this weekend. There's 225,000 people. <laughs> or like, uh, no one, like Jason Aldean, like, he's washed up. I go, dude. Right. He just sold seventy five thousand. Like you understand, you think this is like a fringe group? It's not. That's what's wild about. They're like, oh, these like hillbillies. I go, well, not really, <laughs> not really. John Christ is here, outstanding comedian. You can follow him on Twitter yeah, at, at John. Sure. Uh, yeah. That would be the first thing I'll promote. But, okay. <laughs> John B. Christ. Okay, uh, but John, yeah, you have a whole bunch of appearances coming up, yeah. don't you? No, yeah, we we are all across the country. I was just telling you before the break that it's like. Like with Fayetteville, North Carolina, we were doing 50, 60 shows in the spring, but they're all full. If they're right. not full, they got tickets left, but they're all like. When did that happen for you? Uh, like 2019. Right before the pandemic. Yeah. That's what, like 2018 is when people started. Like I go to the airport and they're like, what's up? And you're like, wait, what? And they're like, we saw your video. And then you go, oh. And what's great about that is— Was the is, video a special or was it your YouTube video? I mean, there's some multiple videos. The football one was one of them. But, yeah, there's a football one, the Disney one, the uh, lot, a lot of the videos that you go, oh, I know that guy. And then you start to—you're, like, a recognizable. And then you don't—I mean, I guess we have the social media that could that could uh, ban us. But those those—once you ban someone, once you silence someone, everybody goes, I want to hear—why did right. you ban him? Like that, that, you think the banning is like going to silence somebody, but it, it's in nine times out of ten, it does the opposite. So the so the John Christ in twenty nineteen is not politically correct. Uh, not politically correct in twenty twenty two. You no. have not changed yeah. anything. No, did you it's the think same. for a while you had to? When uh, you were watching yeah, the- maybe, maybe. But then you realize the more like the more you say it, the more people are like unified under it, and then you don't have any. Like it's why uh, if you have like a Netflix special, Netflix can remove you yeah. but no but if you just go direct social media just go direct to the people and so, they like i don't have a boss that could you have a boss that can fire you maybe not right yeah you i'm this, too powerful you I'm own too this big, place yeah right? let's go yeah. right yeah, absolutely and they're watching on fox nation now so i'm screwed <laughs> yeah, for fox going along nation. with it uh thank you you and godfell you're unfireable yeah, right yeah mm, uh i think Gutfeld's yeah he's fireable, fireable 100%, yeah, I yeah. Think, yeah. I every think night we, might be his last right yeah. except for the ratings keep going up, and yeah, the demo also, yeah. is that valuable when yes. young people watch? Yeah. Uh, when I say yeah, when you say hey, I, the, the, I walk down the street and they go, "Oh, that's the guy from TikTok." I go, <laughs> like it was like everybody like I, like my mom's on Facebook, like a big Facebook right. is my biggest social media, but then everybody goes, "That's the guy from TikTok." I go, 
All right. I guess I'm the guy from TikTok. What is your view on TikTok? We're going to talk about this on television, which is almost as important as radio. Yeah, yeah. Well. Uh, but what's your view on TikTok? Because knowing that China's taking all your information, yeah. and are they? Do you think China's behind us doing the silliest things possible that are oftentimes dangerous? Uh, t- what well, the, the, does it does it worry you? A little bit. Well, the information. What's inf- what worries about me is the is that the algorithm is so dedicated to you that you might not see what's going on elsewhere right and you you're only getting what they think you, it's like an echo chamber right but i may but they don't with silencing people i made a joke uh i was on the on the first tee box at the golf course on uh july 1st and i hit the ball and my joke was pride month is over i can finally hit the ball straight again which is a joke fantastic it's a it's and then but they took it down they took it down yeah tiktok did tiktok removed it but but that's a it's a pro – it's not a – you're making fun of, like, maybe the backwoods. I can't believe – like, right, right, right. but they don't understand how sarcasm – the algorithm doesn't understand that. So you don't think it's someone in Beijing who said uh, we have I to – I mean, that would, that would be tough. But if somebody's <laughs> to in charge of it and it's, it's, not, it's not going good, it's right. not – if you said, hey, the future of our nation and you showed what's going on, on TikTok, you're like, well, this is not good. Right. Yeah. It, it is like it's like jackass yeah. uh, in very short bursts. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that on a medium. Oh, there's a lot going on important. over there that's easy to make fun of. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you have no problem going on, even though you're a red, white, and blue guy, you have yeah. no problem going on. That's how you say that? You're a red, white, and blue guy? That's like the terminology that you guys use? Yeah, I like that. I'm a red, white, and blue guy. How about patriotic? Would yeah, you there you go. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. Okay. You're very judgmental. A, and no, I find that, uh, I'm right. a red, white, and blue guy. Okay. I just never heard that before. Really? Yeah, that's a that, that's like a. Will yeah. you promise to use it on stage with that? And you know, like how uh, Jesus, you know, Jesus when they trying to figure out who the other Christians were, he drew like half of a fish, and then the other guy would drew the other half, and then they knew that's how they knew he was on the team. Really? I got that's I got to go to like family reunion. We're like, hey, dude, are you what red, white, blue guy? That's how you know he's on the team. Yeah, I like well, that. You know, some people get uh, red, look white, at that guy. as challenging, yeah. as uh, they set you off by, oh, yeah. by, by having a flag. Yeah. Isn't that well, kind of yeah, weird? That, yeah, that, well, I don't know when that happened. Because you're in Nashville. You probably don't know what, anything oh. about that. No, I know. that. Yeah, I don't know when that happened. When the when the men who was like the, the – It's like, a trigger. Yeah, which like I, I always say like, hey, go, go. We've been on a bunch of like mission trips for our church everywhere. And I go, well, like a comedy a comedy – a comic would just be like, well – in terms of supply and demand, I think everyone's trying to come to this one. <laughs> I think right. the, the immigration, the border is from that one to this one, yes. not to leave. Yeah, Everyone's trying to come here. There's a reason. Yeah, that's a reason. I too. thought so. <laughs> uh, the people that are born here are the biggest critics suddenly. Yeah. So, uh, John, do people should know a little bit about you. Yeah. Third out of eight Third kids. Third out of eight kids. When yeah. did you realize you were not the favorite? Uh, you know what? I got fired from uh, Chick-fil-A. When I, that was the only place we were allowed to work. And? Because, <laughs> because we were, they were closed on Sunday? Yeah, no, they were closed on Sunday. We were very, obviously, very Christian, very religious. My dad's a pastor, so the McDonald's, Burger King was right in there. We have nothing to do with that. Right. Heathen establishment. I was but saying, you go in there I never drove past McDonald's Burger <laughs> yeah. King and thought to myself, godless. No, yeah. <laughs> that's what no, you thought? Yeah, no, that's what my parents thought. Yeah, 100%. Right. Yeah, they pray for your food. So did there. they think you're funny? Did, uh, did they push for you to be? No, 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 no. No parent would ever be like, I want my son to be a comedian. It takes like years down the road, and then they see you're like, oh, he's got like a he's got like a Range Rover now. Like how did he get, <laughs> like, how did he get that? <laughs> right. And they still like I mean I'm like 
sold out shows from like coast to coast and my dad would still like i leave the house he'd give me like 20 bucks to like <laughs> to like get a nice like really? fill your car up with gas son but I, that's a comedian is great at it's like a comedian is supposed to be like an everyman right like you, kevin you, hart is like that guy flies private he has security but if you saw kevin hart you'd be like ah what's up dude right he's like your buddy is yeah. he acting or does he know where he came from so no matter how uh, okay, rich you every, get, every comic, no comic is 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 too confident because it one bad set and that right. It's not like a, a an athlete or a musician; they can be up there. They don't need the crowd. Yeah, we, Brady played bad this week. Yeah, you know, he'll come back yeah. next week. Yeah, but we if we I mean, there's if comics getting too confident and walking out on stage like you own the place, Done. it's over. It's over. And do you ever catch yourself too? Yeah. Uh, after a big night and two, two, the third night yeah. you go out and you're thinking to yourself, yeah. And you, what do you oh, do? Gonna, you say well, dial it no, back. No, it's not. Well, it's like it's like playing for your home. If you did an appearance, right? It, these are your people. But then you're like, hey, I'm gonna like. There was my buddy Andrew Schultz is a comedian, and I was I had the six o'clock show sold out. He had the eight o'clock show sold out. He's a buddy of mine. He goes, hey, stay for the eight o'clock and come on my show. So like six o'clock, I'm getting carried out of there with you know <laughs> into the streets. They're chanting my name, and then I, they don't know me right. at the other one. And it's a it's just it different. Just, it, it, it's it, just a little different. Absolutely. They go here's this guy, and they go uh, uh, what who, what's his name? Right. How many years did it take you before you didn't really want that twenty dollars from your dad? I still want it. Don't you get me wrong. Want, I still want the twenty dollars. Put it yeah, away. In the same yeah, place. yeah. Uh, I mean, it took probably I've started in 2009, 2018, so okay. 10, ten years. Yeah. Right. Then you started to be like, oh, I think I might be able to do it. But it, but you're the same. I'm, I'm guessing if you had a billion dollars, what would you be doing tomorrow? The same thing. That's what me, me right. the same. It's like you're more passionate about. I might leave a little earlier. I might not do yeah. uh, John Roberts. Yeah. You would still do the radio. You cut the TV, but keep the radio. Now I do. <laughs> now that you've, had me, you've changed my mind on so many <laughs> things. Uh, John Chris is going to be here uh, for one more segment. Yeah. All right. And we'll see how it goes. Uh, afterwards, and we'll see. We talk. We we talk about the break. Do you have any idea what we're going to talk about in the break? Uh, I do not. You didn't prep me. Okay, you maybe, me maybe we should. Remember, at Letterman, the coffee table. Letterman said, "I know." Uh, Letterman said he never talked to anyone in the break. They said it unnerved people, but he oh, didn't yeah. want to talk to people. Where are you going? Are you going to leave? No, I'm going to stay. Oh, and we're not going to talk to each other. We're sitting four feet from each other. We're not going to say a word to each we'll other. We'll see how it goes. All right, play back, by ear. Back, yeah, like play, back in a moment. <laughs> This weekend, check out Brian's new show on Fox News Channel. His new Saturday show lets him ruin your weekends, too. Take it easy, Gutfeld. That really hurts. One Nation with Brian Kilmeade. Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox News Channel. More of Brian coming up. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. John Christ is here, and I did a terrible thing. I did not have his uh, his his big events in front of me, and it'll Come never on. happen again, John. Uh, John's going to be in Spokane, Washington uh, from the 29th to the 1st. Yeah, that's next weekend. Yep. Uh, then you're going to be on New Brunswick, New Jersey. I don't want to brag. Uh, people are like, dang, he must be doing well going to New Brunswick, <laughs> well, New Jersey. That, that's where Allison lives. Now oh, you hurt her feelings. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't know. I thought yes. you were Christian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so 10-6 to 10-8, the stress factory. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you go into Virginia Beach, Virginia. We have WNIS down there, down so there. Oh, they're yeah. listening to us right now. How many, how many of your markets do you know, the call letters? You said well, Virginia. You know the call letters of the Virginia, where you were in Virginia Beach? WNIS. That's unbelievable. Thank you. How many do you know? 
I don't have time to go over. Okay, it right yeah, now. all right, right. yeah, smart, smart, smart. I was, right now, you're impressed. Yeah, and okay, if you yeah. ask me all of them, then I'm going to feel. Probably, you guys don't understand. You guys aren't. You guys are just listening to this. You think of the commercial breaks. Y'all are just like getting a couple. This man has 75 people that come in here <laughs> and tell him what to say, what not to say, right. what he messed up. Did they what he say needs. anything nice about me? No, no, not They're once. Not very supportive. Not once. Yeah, not uh, very supportive. Are you going to be yeah. impressed with this? You're going to be in Dayton, Ohio, on the 11th. WHIO yeah. listeners, wow, pay attention. I don't know if these are made up or not, but yeah, yeah. Allison, tell me they're not made up. They're not made up, but I will say he's probably picking out the cities you're going to where he knows. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Brian Kilmeade the... <laughs> exposed. Yeah, I got yeah. Right. You were, the, you were more of an investigator comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, you're going to be on uh, November 18th. Uh-huh. You're going to be in Greenville, South Carolina. Oh, yeah. To the that 20th. one's full. That one's already sold out. I don't think we have that. Yeah, oh, it is? Yeah, it's already Irvine, sold out. Irvine, California? Sold out. Yeah. So a guy can live in Nashville, yeah. appeal to the South and yeah. the West. That's unbelievable. Well, yeah. I cross. I, well, they, uh, well, CNN hasn't called. Right. So maybe not. But, now, yeah. do you remember Ali yeah. for three and a half years was banned from boxing? Absolutely. And a lot of people think those were his best years. Yeah. Do you fear that oh. the pandemic two years were your best years? Well. And this is, you have to learn to fight differently now. It's, a, it, it, it was very, it's like batting practice. Right. Like you just go it's on. Just it's not just not the like, same. You just lob and you just crush them. Right. Yeah. And just put, just home run after home run. But people will still be happy if they saw you on stage. Oh, yeah. 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 You'll be just fine. Well, the people are now just starting to come back out. Did the people offer to pay more and say this wasn't enough? That's how much I enjoyed it? We need another. Well, they usually, the highest compliment for a community is come on Saturday, come back on Sunday. Thanks, John. Let's go. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.